Again, my name is Pastor Gene. If you don't know me, I haven't had a chance to meet you guys. It's my privilege to serve you guys. It just truly is. I love coming in here Sunday mornings. I love coming in here and hanging out with you people, worshiping with you guys, and just sharing with you. It's an honor to do that. It's probably the best way I can say it. I was the least likely to be picked as a pastor if you knew me. And people who still know me from my old days, I get that look. You're a pastor? I'm like, yeah. It's amazing what God will do with our lives when we give up our lives to him. And that's what he did for me. And that's what I want you guys to know this morning. That's what he wants to do for you. He wants you to cast off how other people see you and let him define you and who you are. We, too often we let people define and control our dreams that God gives us, our purpose that God gives us. And I'm going to talk today about unexpected obstacles when we start to pursue our dream. In the book Dream Giver, he calls them border bullies. And how you're going to run into people who don't understand the passion God's put inside of you. And though, although they may be well-being friends or well-being co-workers or even well-being meaning parents, they may not understand the passion. I had people ask me when I started school to become a pastor, well, you're already playing on the worship team, you're already playing music, you already love doing that, why a pastor? When I got asked in my sectional presbyters meeting to get my license, they like, so why do you want to become a pastor? I prayed the whole night before for a really cool answer. Any of you guys ever like to do that? You know, you want to really, you know, in depth, this, this is the reason why God, you know, God has called me to do great things. And I'm like, I have no idea. God just called me. They're like, that's a good answer. I'm like, okay. Um, because I could come up with no fancy reason why I would do this. And you will be able to come up with no fancy reason why God calls you to your dream, except you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt that God called you. And so this morning as we get ready to go into this stuff, understand I have been praying for you guys, for some of you guys just to discover that dream that's buried deep in your heart. It may be some dark corner of your heart that you ain't looked at in years, that God's got that dream and he's starting to stir it in you. Some of you are going to rediscover your dream that God gave you, and you kind of put it on the back burner for a while, and God's saying, no, it's, it's time to start taking it. Some of you guys are going to take the step, and you're going to start pursuing your dream. You're going to start stepping out of that comfort zone we talked about last week, and it make no sense but you're going to start pursuing what God's called you to do. And some of you, the greatest thing that's going to happen through this message, through your prayer time, is you're going to get a breakthrough through a wall that you never thought you could get through. That's what God does. When we seek the dream giver more than the dream, breakthroughs happen. Now we're talking about our dream, but we're talking about the dream God planted in us, not our selfish dreams. Because I think if we're all honest, how many of you guys would like a really nice house? You know, it's okay. We'll pray afterwards for lying if you want to raise your hand. It's all good. How many of you guys would like nice things? Be able to give your kids stuff. Again, those are our dreams. They may be God's dreams, but God's not going to give us a dream that's not going to fill a need for someone else. And that's why we can go through some struggles. That's why we can run into some things. We can, we can run up against some strongholds. We can, we can butt heads with some giants. 
because we know what are the struggles I'm going through today are going to help someone tomorrow. In the Bible, it says what? It says count your struggles as pure joy. How many of you guys are joyful when you're struggling with something? How can it be a joy to struggle? Paul's saying this. Dude's been beat, stoned, thrown in jail. Everything we would see is horrible. He says, yet I count it all joy. We run into a no when we ask somebody if they want to come to church, and we run back to our room and cry. They don't like me. Oh, I can't believe they said no. <laughs> Paul says, I've been taken numerous times, 39 lashes. They threw me off a cliff one time. Shipwrecked multiple times. But Paul, when you study his story, got saved on the road to Damascus. Now, again, didn't come without struggles, did it? Dude was blind for three days. We get saved, we want everything to go perfect. Paul gets saved, he gets blinded. And then has to be let, snuck out of the town he's in. And not the good guys or the bad guys trust him. I mean, he couldn't go back to the apostles in Jerusalem because the only stories they knew were he was trying to kill them. We think we run into some bullies. <laughs> we do. They're the same type of bullies. Now, what else happened to Paul? Is He had to go for three years, right? He had to go get training. He had to go spend time with God. Why? That's next week. We're going to talk about living in the wasteland. Diamonds in the desert. When we're going through some stuff, when we truly look, we're going to find diamonds. That's next week's message. So if you know somebody who's going through some wasteland stuff, invite them for next week. Because God is going to be showing them the miracles he's already done that they're missing. Because God is always working. He's always doing something. He's always moving forward. Last week, we really we talked about embracing our dream, leaving our comfort zone, and pursuing God. We talked about how embracing our dream and our purpose that God created us for is what God needed us to do. And part of that purpose that God gives you is that you can see a solution to a problem that no one else can. That's why you doing your purpose is so important. Because how you view things, you're going to see somebody's solution that I can't see. And so embracing and, and, and running after that is, a, is, is important. But the, the challenge of pursuing our dreams is eventually we see that to do what we love most, we have to do what we most dread. I was not a public speaker. Didn't like it in front of people. Even when I started playing in a worship team, I said, if I can go in the back room, I'll be happier because I don't want people seeing me. So it was not comfortable for me to step up to a pulpit and give a message. And even today, it's not comfortable because my who I am is I'm doing this for God and I don't want to let him down. And so every week, it's not really anxiety, it's, it's making sure I'm right. 
But anxiety a lot of times will creep in when we start pursuing our dreams and doing what we don't like. And then we start hearing our, our egos and ourselves saying, what if you fail? What if your friends see you fail? What if I can't accomplish the dream that God's given me? What if my friends see me struggle? What if they see me going through some things and then the worst of all, we say I'm not worthy to do it. And so what do we do? We put our dream back here again because we don't want to let people know and be vulnerable to failure. Some of the greatest successes, most great of the greatest successes have happened because of greatest failures. Because people went through some stuff. And after we start self-doubting ourselves, what happens? Anxiety kicks in, then anxiety turns into fear, and then fear stops us dead in our tracks. We decided last week, and I hope you guys all went home and stuck this stuck with you and you prayed about it, and said the things we have never gotten, we have to do the things we've never done. We're not going to allow fear and uncertainty to to delay the delivery of the purpose that is inside of you. That was step one last week, is go home and just say, enough's enough, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping. I'm going to step into the dream God's given me. Today we're going to start looking at how obstacles can become opportunities. How opposition sets you up for success. It doesn't set you up for failure. Opposition strengthens us, it creates character in us, so God can do in us what he needs to do, so through us he can work. And that happens through opposition. So today as we continue our journey, ordinary in our book left his comfort zone. Remember he was standing at his comfort zone and he couldn't breathe and everything, the world just came, felt like it was crashing through on him and he just couldn't move and all of a sudden he took that step out of his comfort zone and all of a sudden I was like, oh hey, this ain't that bad. I could do this. That's me. I've told people multiple times, once you decide and once you figure out that you're going to follow God and he gives you your purpose, you're going to ask yourself what took you so long to do it. Because there's never a better life than following Jesus and being sold out to Jesus. So anxiety stepped through his fear. He stepped through his doubt. He stepped through his anxiety and he stepped into the unknown. And when he was on the other side of that, he found freedom he didn't know was there. But as we, as we read through the story, and you read through the story of Ordinary, and I'm not going to go to the book today. You guys can buy it if you want to read it. Um, he all of a sudden sees his bridge to the unknown. He sees the bridge to his, to his future. And as he's walking along, all of a sudden he sees some nobodies from the town of Familiar who come running up to him. And one of them he notices right away, and it's his mom. What do you think, how would most of you moms answer your child who just left everything he knew to pursue a dream that you weren't sure if he was going to succeed or not? As a parent, our job is to protect them, right? So in, this, in the story, she worries for his, for his safety. The reason that his border bullies were able to get to that 
unknown zone before to the border before he could because they didn't have to battle anything. They weren't leaving familiar. They weren't leaving their comfort zone. So they didn't have to struggle with themselves to break out of their comfort zone. So your border bullies, although well-meaning, don't struggle with the things you had to struggle to to get to where you are right now. And so they will come up to you and talk to you. And some of you guys might have been a border bully recently. I'm going to throw out some lines here. And I just want, don't raise your hand. I'll look out and I'll see you because you guys will give a little smirk when you said one of these. Somebody comes up and gives you their dream and he says, I've given your plan a lot of thought, but I hate to say this, but, and then fill in the blanks. Or how about this one? Are you sure you're experienced enough to do that? Or how about, the idea is interesting, but where are you going to get the money and the people to make it happen? Or my favorite. But we've never done it that way. Those are all statements border bullies will make to a dreamer. And why do they make those statements? It's not. In some cases it is because they just don't like you. A lot of it is is you're starting to mess with their comfort zone. When you start pursuing a dream and you start becoming a dreamer and you start chasing God, you are messing with your friends, your family, and acquaintances' comfort zones. And so they're going to try to tell you, again, being nice, they're going to try to tell you why you shouldn't do it, why you can't do it, why it shouldn't be done that way. And you have to decide, and this is the theme of this whole message, you have to decide who are you going to please, man or God. Remember Peter and John got threatened standing before the court between the, in front of the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. They said, don't ever preach the name of Jesus. What did they do? Did they listen? No, after they got threatened, they went and prayed for more boldness and said, who are we going to listen to? To God or to you? Sometimes we got to take a stand. Sometimes we have to grow a backbone and say, enough's enough. I'm choosing to please God with my life. You may not understand it. I will try to sway them. I will try to clear it, clear it up for them. I will try to tell them why I'm doing what I'm doing. But sometimes you're border bullies. You're not going to get on your side. So you're going to need to separate from them. So you're going to need to lose relationships over it. Proverbs 18.21 says it this way. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So we have to choose today what voice we're going to listen to. Are we going to listen to the voice of the dream giver who's given life and breathed life into everything? Or are we going to choose to listen to words that could kill the very purpose God created us for? Are we going to speak life to people? Are we going to speak encouragement to people? Are we going to build people up? Or are we going to tell them, you really shouldn't do it that way because we've never done it that way before? Mark Batterson at a conference I was at recently, and I said the statement a few weeks ago, there is a way to do church nobody's ever even thought of yet. And I truly believe that. There's a way to reach people ain't nobody even thought of. One of you may have it.
but your fear, your doubt, your anxiety, that thought of saying, we've never done it this way before, so I'm not sure I want to try this. Again, last year, how many people do you think I had look at me weird last year for our party in the park? How many, how many of you guys ever seen a rapper in rice? Never done that before up here. But it was, it was destined, I mean, honestly, it was a total God thing. It wasn't because I wanted it, it's because God let it, and our community rallied around it. That's what I'm saying. The community will rally around something God's doing. It might be different. It might be something's never happened before, but they'll get behind it. And when they get behind it, nobody can stop it. So this morning, come overcoming those obstacles, the first border bully is the alarmist. The alarmist is really worried for your safety. You know, that was his mother in this story. She's worried about his safety. She's worried about what he's going to go through, what's going to happen. She's motivated by fear, and she exaggerates the risks. That's what an alarmist bully will do. Here's the key to, to getting them on your side. Sit down and talk to them. Explain the vision. Explain the burden that God's placed on you. And what will happen with an alarmist is they'll start to understand and they'll probably start supporting you. Because it wasn't that they didn't want you pursuing your dream. They were worried about you. They were worried about the exaggerated fears for you. The second type of border bully you're going to run into is that traditionalist. <laughs> We've always done it that way. They romanticize history over future. They're motivated by custom and routine. I'm sure y'all been going to church long enough, y'all ran into those people. If not, just talk to somebody. And there's nothing wrong. And my, my theory with history, it always has been, my job is to build on history, not repeat history. The foundation that Emo laid starting this church, my job wasn't to tear that down and rebuild. It was to stand on his shoulders and take it to another level. That's, that's how you honor history. You honor history. Every one of us this morning is standing on the, on the shoulders of some giant in this country who laid a foundation so we could get together to be here. They went against the grain. They went against what was popular and said, guess what? We're going to follow Jesus and we'll see what happens. And so we get the opportunity to build, we have a firm foundation. It starts with Jesus. And then we honor the history of the great men and women before us by building on what they've done. The third one you're going to run into for a border bully is defe the defeatist. <laughs> any of you guys ever run into any of those type of people? It's not possible. There's no way you can do it. They see problems everywhere. Those kind of people just know there's 101 reasons why this won't work. Now, I have been blessed and cursed with the personality of don't give me excuses, help me figure out how we're going to do this. This type of bully really gets under my skin. I don't want to know why we can't. I want to know how we can. That's just my personality. Don't tell me we can't have I'm, I'm just, yeah. Um, don't tell me we can't do something a certain way when God's calling us to do it. Help me figure out how we can do it. 
as a body, we can accomplish anything. Why you think what you think happened at Babylon? God confused their languages because he said when the body comes together, they can accomplish great things. Now, their things were wrong. I'm not saying what they did was right. But what, what God said, God never said, God, God said, if all these people start working together, imagine what they can do. Now, imagine what we could do as a body in Rice if we all started saying, quit coming up with excuses on why we couldn't do something. Start working together on how can we do it. What kind of change could you affect in our area? Now, is everything we're going to be doing right? No. Some things will fail. But remember, in failure comes learning. In failure comes success. And the last bully, they're the toughest to overcome, and that's the antagonist. Their thought process is, I'm not going to let you do it. Their thought process is ruled by intimidation, and I'm in charge, so you're going to do it this way. Their biggest fear is they lose control, mostly over you. I've seen too many marriages that are that way. And I'm just using that one as an example. And it didn't matter if it was husband or wife. I've seen it both ways. They want control. They want power. They're not going to let you change anything. My wife works with the women's shelter in, in St. Cloud and deals with that a lot. Why? Because they don't understand that God's got something greater. And if I give up control, which used to be me, don't hear me wrong, this was me. I was that control freak. Still a little bit. But when things had to change, the only way for me to come, go from this to who I am today is I had to give up all control and trust God. Can you give up control today to trust God with your life? Or have you got your five-year plan already marked out? God can't mess with that five-year plan. Now, God, i got to do this, this, and this this way. But God's like, I have this person over here I need you to touch. No, no, God. My five-year plan is I got to do lunch at noon today. I got to go play with my kids at 1.30. I got to then sit in my chair and watch that box that just numbs my brain. And then after that, I might get up and go play outside again. But I got yard work to do, so I might sneak that in somewhere. And God's saying, yeah, but I need you to take a detour over here. Because on the way home, there's somebody on the side of the street that needs your help. But no, no, I got to do this, God. You know that. Because I'm doing it for you. I got Bible study I got to get to. How many of you guys have ever used that one? I got a churchy function I got to go to. I can't be stopping and helping this person. You think God wants your church function or you think he wants you being the church? Ooh, that's a good one for somebody this morning. Me. God wants us to become the church. God wants us to move past who we are. There's a song by D1. I know most of you guys probably don't know him. It's okay. He's got the opening line to his one song. He says, 
One thing I learned about life is everybody can't like you. And if they like you, what does that really mean at the end of the day? You only got to answer to one man. You better know who you are. How many of you guys this morning can make that your mantra? Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of me. The only man I care about is what God thinks. And I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to know who I am in, in him. In Exodus 2.11, Moses, it says, Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on, the hard, on their hard laborers, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Moses did not know it at the time, but God had placed a dream in him at birth to save Israel. That's the only reason you can come up with with why he got so upset and killed that Egyptian is he had an anger inside of him that welled up because I'm willing to bet he's seen it before. It wasn't the first time it happened. But something now had gotten a hold of his, in his belly and he said enough's enough. Now the sad part is he ran into border bullies the very next day, didn't he? He went up to two of his Hebrew brothers who were arguing and he's like, why are you doing this to each other? And they're like, what, who are you? you just going to kill us like you did that guy? He ran into bullies. And one of the greatest people ever to walk this earth. I'm just giving you these as examples of everyone runs into bullies. Jesus faced bullies. His bullies came from some of the most unlikely places. You all remember Judas. He was one of his chosen 12. Y'all remember the Pharisees? They were constantly fighting against him. Or how about Saul? He was killing the church before he met Jesus. But here's one that I think we forget. How about Peter? Peter was a bully at one point, a border bully at one point, in Jesus' course. And I can prove that right here in Matthew 16, 21 through 23. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. Now, here's where Peter steps in, well-meaning friend. And Peter took him to the side, and he began to rebuke him. Now, that takes some backbone. I'm going to rebuke the Son of God, because just a few verses before that, he just said he was the Son of God. And it says, Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Jesus' response is he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Even Jesus faced border bullies. But his mind was focused on the dream and purpose the Father had for him. So how do you defeat your border bullies today? How do we get them on our sides? How do we make them understand? We let them know this is out of our hands. We tell them our dream. And for some of you at this point, having to articulate that dream, that purpose that God has given you, is going to help you in the long run. Because when you start pursuing your dream initially, you don't know for sure. 
how to explain it. But through working through people and working with people, God will clarify your vision. God will clarify what you have for them. We were actually talking this morning about it. Why did it take a year to change our name? Because I had to share the vision God had given me for this church and make sure everybody understood why we were heading the direction we were heading. I could have changed it all by myself, and guess what? I'd have been on a walk. I wouldn't have been a leader. But by bringing other people alongside, by, by talking, by sharing, by praying, by, by saying, guess what? We're going to please God more than we please man. We took a year, we changed our name, and God's doing some things. It's not about how quick can we change, but how quick can God change us. And sometimes that takes a while. So you have to decide this morning, are you going to please man or please God? You, got, you need to understand that your border bullies are usually just doing what comes natural. They're trying to, in their best ways, help you. And when you, you leave your comfort zone, you shake theirs up. This morning, I want you to pray. I want you to trust God. I want you to pursue God. Hold fast to that dream God's given you. Because God made you a somebody. He never created you to be a nobody. And when bullies try to block your way, remember who you're going to please.